Thanks as always for downloading the Game Day Radio podcast. It's fantastic of you to do so. This week I was joined by my brand new co-host Bevan Jones, aka Bevo, for the uh, for the show. Absolute AFL experts. So we talked a lot about the AFL. We also covered the NRL finals as well, the uh, English Premier League, how that's shaping up, bit of European football news, and loads of NFL discussion as well, particularly about Jared Hayne and some of the Aussies who you may not have heard about as much in the NFL. So make sure you uh, leave a comment or a review on iTunes if that's where you're listening. Uh, tell a friend to tell a friend. And don't forget that we are broadcast at 4 o'clock on Monday afternoons on Unicast. 4 till 6 on Monday afternoons. That's Game Day Radio. Anyway, enjoy the podcast. You're listening to Game Day Radio, only on Unicast. Hello and welcome to another week of Game Day Radio. I am joined today by a very, very special guest, co-host going forward with Game Day Radio, Bevan Jones. How are you today, Bevo? Yeah, good good to be here, Andrew. Thanks for having me, mate. Always a pleasure, always a pleasure. Uh, Thank you for listening via the free, that's right, free Unicast app or via our website, that's unicast.com.au. My name is Andrew Cousin, and you can reach me with feedback and song requests via Twitter. I am at Cousin91, that's at C-U-S-S-E-N-9-1. And if you're on Twitter, you can also follow Unicast. We are at SA Unicast, and we're also at SA Unicast on Instagram. So get following on there for uh, programming updates and behind-the-scenes info on both of those platforms. But uh, we're going to start with a bit of NRL news, isn't that right, Bevo? That's it, mate. Well, we kicked off um, the finals in the NRL this week, and wow, it's a couple of absolute cracking games there. So the Sydney Roosters—they finished off the regular season as mine premiers, and they were beaten by the Melbourne Storm on Friday night in a bit of a surprise, twenty points to eighteen. So interesting one there. And the Canterbury Bulldogs needed golden point extra time to take care of the St George and the Lord Dragons in another classic encounter on Saturday evening. It was uh, eleven points to ten there, so it's a bit of a close one. And following that match. Uh, that match, I should say. There was a Queensland derby, and the Brisbane Broncos edged out the North Queensland Cowboys, 16 points to 12, in front of a sellout crowd at Suncorp Stadium. And finally, yesterday, in what was a bit of another sh- surprise there, the Cronulla Sharks trampled the South Sydney Rabbitohs, last year's premiers, uh, winning 28 to 12 at Aliens Stadium. Yeah, the uh, the Rabbitohs have fallen off a bit of a cliff lately, but I thought that the uh, they'd put up a bit more of a fight than they did. But uh, aside from a sort of strong opening eight or nine minutes, they really didn't have a lot going for them. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, um, interesting into the season to see uh, to see whether whether the Broncos can go all the way, or there's a few other teams there they're fighting for um, for a grand final spot. So it should be an interesting few weeks, Andy. Mm. So yeah. so run us through who we've got this weekend. So this week we've got um, the Storm and the Broncos. They're through to the prelim finals in a couple of weeks' time after the Storm surprise win there. Uh, the Roosters play the Bulldogs at Allianz Stadium on Friday night and the winner of that match will, of course, take on the Broncos. And on Saturday night, the Sharks head north to take on the Cowboys in what should be an absolute cracker there, the victor to take on the Melbourne Storm. So got some interesting games coming out this week, Andy. All right, so let's get a prediction off you, Bevo. How do you see those those games going? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, mate. Um, I think... Yeah, probably the Cowboys will uh, knock off your your Sharks, unfortunately, mate, I think. Um, but who knows? It's um, after last week. Yeah, I'll have to disagree with you on that one. What about the other game? <laughs> and the Roosters and the Bulldogs, well, that should be an absolute cracker. Uh, I think the Roosters will bounce back, though, after their surprise loss on the weekend. What yeah, think? I think so as well. I, I can't see Bulldogs beating them after the Bulldogs were... Uh, they were pretty woeful on the weekend uh yeah probably should have beaten the dragons by about 30 but you know a win's yep. a win in finals i guess exactly right you just never know with finals it's um whoever plays their best on the day isn't it so certainly is certainly yeah. is you're listening to game day radio on unicast game day radio on unicast You're listening to Game Day Radio on Unicast and it's time to talk a bit of AFL action and it was a huge weekend of footy with the first week of finals getting underway. 
The season ended for the Bulldogs and the Tigers, who haven't won a final since 2001. So sparing a thought for all those diehard Tigers fans out there or having a bit of a giggle if you're not a Tigers fan, perhaps. Uh, the two elimination finals proved to be absolute crackers and particularly the game between the Dogs and the Crows on Saturday night, which went right down to the wire. The uh, lead changing a number of times in a classic encounter, but the Brave Crows running out victors in the end. And yesterday, the Roos coming from behind also defeat, uh, to defeat Richmond. So uh, what did you make of the games, Bevo? Yeah, both absolute crackers, Andy. Um, unfortunately, my team, Port, got, didn't make the finals this year, so it was a bit of a sour, sour one uh, seeing the Crows win. But yeah. no, it was, I must admit, it was one of the best games of the year, actually mm. one of the best finals I've seen in a long time. Uh, just both teams just had a crack, and to, to both score over 100 points is just fantastic and in front of the big crowd. And seemed like more, more Crows supporters than the Bulldogs supporters there. So, yeah, looking forward mm. to this week's game between the Crows and the Hawks. That should be a beauty. So, yeah. Yeah, and yourself, and then, mate, what do you think of the game? Yeah, yeah, really, really good stuff. I thought um, the Crows, I don't think I can tip against them next week, but uh, we'll get on to that in a little bit. We're in the, the other game, I thought, um, yeah, sort of typical Richmond, really. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's just not, not quite good enough. Yeah, exactly uh, right. You have to spare thoughts to their supporters, mm. so... They, they sort of a bit like Colton game a couple of years ago. They they got off to a good start and and just sort of got run over in the end. And uh, certainly Jared Waite would be giving them nightmares after kicking four yesterday and then uh, four a couple of years ago when he was playing for Colton as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it'd be haunting their dreams. Um, <laughs> so do you think like both both away teams or lower place teams winning in the elimination final sort of proves the you know how how good finals footy is, I guess, in a way, in that it's so unpredictable? Absolutely. I think the top eight system is really good the way it is because it gives both, you know, teams that finish in the top four and teams below a chance to, um, you know, to if they... To, a bit like the NRL, I guess, like mm. if they can... Sub- Win a you know win a surprise qualifying final and and you know get a get a week off and then the prelim the week mm. after for a home finals yeah so it does make for an exciting sort of final series and I think it's one of the most even sort of top eights it's been for for a long time which makes I mean it's really hard to pick a a grand final grand finalist at this stage you know. Mm. A lot of people are saying it could be West Coast versus Frio, but there's still you know Hawthorne playing good footy, the Crows playing good footy now, and yeah, yeah. I mean, so. there's, clo- there's you know there's the those will be close to fifty fifty games. I mean, anything can Absolutely. happen in the prelim, and there's the fair chance neither team from WA could be in there. Exactly right, and then yeah, the, the other one will be um, Kangaroos Sydney this week, which mm. should be another cracking game with Sydney sort of missing Franklin and and Sam Regan injured mm. on the weekend. So yeah. It's going to be a couple of great games on the weekend as well. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so you mentioned Sydney. They lost in front of a sellout crowd of 42,663 at Domain Stadium. No, they didn't. That's the wrong crowd. That's from uh, the other game. That was West Coast Hawks. Let's jump onto that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so they they were, they uh, ran out 32-point winners and Coleman medalist Josh Kennedy continued his stellar season with three majors for the Eagles and Jared Roughhead and Sean Burgoyne t- kicked two each for the Hawks. Um, Jack Gunston suffered an ankle injury, which could see him out for a couple of weeks for the Hawks. So that's another big blow. Um, what did you make of that one? Yeah, I didn't actually see the game on Friday night. I was unfortunately working, but um, yeah, West Coast are just just one of the fairy tales this year. That the way they just keep bouncing back after all the injuries and setbacks they've had, it's just incredible. So Adam Simpson certainly got them up and about, and they'll be tough to beat in the prelim final in a couple of weeks' time. So yeah, and the Hawks. Well, I think yeah, they're just sort of a bit unlucky with Gunson going down on the weekend. That sort of hurt them, but I think I think they'll bounce back this week against the Crows. But you just never know, like we said before. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, in the other qualifying final that I thought I was talking about before, uh, it was Freo versus the Swans in Perth on Saturday Arvo, and the Dockers were too strong for the Swans, who lost uh, forward Sam Reed early on through a hamstring injury. It was a big loss for them. And Fremantle ran out 69-60 to 60 winners. Sydney kicked seven goals and 18 behinds, Bevo. I know this sounds really simple, but is kicking straight the hardest thing in footy? Yeah, it's um, well. They say uh, bad kicking's bad footy these days, mate. So, mm. I mean, yeah, they sort of did definitely have their chances in the last quarter, and you know, it's just. I think you have to sort of give credit to Sydney though, considering they lost Reed early and and Buddy didn't play. That was a pretty gutsy effort. So to mm. get so close over in the West, um, certainly give them some, you know, some good form going into the Kangas game, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then they get to be back home this week. So exactly. That, that should prove. Um, that should prove. Uh, a, 
a big advantage for them. Absolutely. So how do you see that one going? You think uh, the Swans can bounce back or the Kangaroos oh. continue their momentum? Once again, it's a real 50-50, Andy, because, you know, Kangaroos had a good win yesterday and that they did get sort of pounced by by Sydney last year over over in Sydney. But, you know, not having Buddy Franklin this week and, and Sam Reid's going to make a big big difference. So, yeah, almost almost tipping the Kangas in that one. That's going to be an absolute beauty. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay, so we've got the Kangaroos, and who did you have for the other game? I think I think the Hawks, but yep. yeah, I'm not I'm not 100 sure. It could be a real. Clock. I'm going to have mean, to go the other way in both. I think it'll be Sydney and the Crows. Yeah, so, yeah, we'll we'll certainly we'll see. Se- yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yep. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised with either. So yeah. yeah, they just promise to be both belters, and yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I could see it. both of them being less than 10 points between them. So it should it should be a really uh, good weekend of finals footy. Absolutely, looking forward to it, mate. So. Yeah, with the NRL and the AFL both looking very good, so... Yeah, exactly. You're listening to Game Day Radio on Unicast. You're listening to Game Day Radio, only on Unicast. Okay, you're listening to Game Day Radio on Unicast, the University of South Australia's internet radio station. Thanks for listening via the Unicast website or the free, yes, that's right, completely free Unicast app. Bevo, you want to talk a bit more about the AFL now? Yes, mate. So as mentioned earlier on Saturday night at the G, the Crows ended the Bulldogs' fairytale season, winning 16 goals, 13-109 to 14 goals, 18-102 in front of a huge crowd of 60,782 at the G. It's amazing to think the Crows are just two wins away from the big dance after the sad passing of their coach, Phil Walsh, during the season. Pretty yeah, pretty incredible story, that one, isn't it, Andy? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's amazing the way that they're using such a, a tragic event to sort of, not to their advantage, but, you know, really rallying around what has happened and, and supporting each other and sort of riding that emotional wave through. And I think that's really helping them at the moment. Absolutely. And on the other side of the spectrum, spectrum as well, the Bulldogs, you know, after losing or their coach and their captain and uh, a number of players last year as well. You, a lot of people sort of tip the Bulldogs to sort of finish near the bottom of the ladder and for them to, to make elimination finals a fantastic achievement too and just shows that Luke Bevo Beveridge has just done a great job with his young lads this year, don't you think? Ah, uh, there you go, talking, talking about someone with your name. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Good nickname, that one. So, <laughs> And, um, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, it was just a, a terrific game, both teams scoring over 100 points in in what was just a, a great, great game to watch. So is hacking and you sort of hope there's more finals to come like that in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. But, you don't want to see too many blowouts, um, you know. Obviously, exactly. if one team's just amazing, then then it's all right. But you don't want to see a, a really poor team. So good games, are uh, close games are always good games. Exactly right. And you'd rather sort of see a game where both teams score over 100 points rather mm. than sort of defensive, you know, games that you... There's yeah, a couple like a lot, of the, a lot of the grand finals in recent years have been sort of 50, 60, 60, 70, and yeah. Was, exactly. I mean, it's, uh, I'm sure there's plenty of people who love that sort of footy because they probably say 120 to 130 is just crap defence, but, you know, yeah, uh, it's uh, good to see points always, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. So, and wrapping up those results, so the, for the visitors, Eddie Betts was superb up forward with, with five goals and... And Taylor Walker, he just led from the front with three of his own and included a couple of huge big bombs beyond the 50 mark. Uh, for the Doggies, Tory Dixon continued his good year and he's a real real sharpshooter, that one. Kicked five goals and he was a good target all night for the Dogs. And Stuart Cramery and Stringer and Redpath kicked two each for the Doggies. And in terms of the possessions, Scott Thompson continued his good year for the Crows with 27. Patrick Dangerfield had 25. And for the Bulldogs, Marcus Bonapelli had 24 possessions and seven seven clearances. Mitch Wallace, 26 and seven. And Bob Murphy just proved that age is just a number across half back in continuing his really good season. Um, and how did you see the game, Andy, in the last quarter? We, did you sort of, were you a bit surprised by the result or? No, I mean, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because, I mean, there's, there's seven points in it, so it's sort of two kicks. I mean, it really could have gone either way. And I think, you know, it's, it was one of those games where you said whichever team kind of rallies and just 
you know, hold, holds court really for that final quarter deserve to go through because that's what it's about in finals footy. It's kind of about getting to three-quarter time in the game and then going from there really. I think um, I think that's what a, a lot of the teams are, are doing and are going to be doing going forward. It's sort of keeping themselves in the game and really getting ready for that final charge in the final quarter. Absolutely. And to sort of think that the, the dogs sort of hit the first three goals of the game and just look like run away with it for the full credit to the Crows to sort of to get back and and a number of times there was so many late changes in that game so mm. yeah anyway in the other elimination final the Kangaroos defeated Richmond 15 goals 15 105 to 14 goals 498 in a physical but absorbing counter at the G yesterday in front of a massive crowd of 90,186 and as mentioned previously uh, Jared Waite just continued a nightmare for the Richmond fans with four goals after kicking four a few years ago for the Blues in the final and Drew Petrie and Boomer Harvey kicked two each. How about Boomer Harvey? 37 years old and just going around just like he's a 21-year-old. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah, just amazing. Oh. And our jumping jack was really good for the Tigers all day with four goals. And retiring star Chris Newman kicked a couple of goals himself and Ty Vickery kicked two of his own as well. And as mentioned, Boomer Harvey... Uh, had had a couple of goals and 31 possessions and captain Andrew Swallow was really good all day with 22 possessions and seven clearances and how about Ben Jacobs he kept Trent Cotchin to only nine possessions so he's had a really good year and one of the surprises there for the Kangaroos yeah closed him down pretty effectively there so it could be a big play going forward absolutely be interesting to see who he gets this week whether he'll get maybe Kennedy or or Hanabry after mm. last week so yeah so that's pretty much um, the AFL for this week, Andy. Yeah, so you excited about the uh, upcoming weekend? Yeah, very much so. Looking forward to those two games, as Excellent we mentioned stuff. before. Excellent it's stuff. Hard to pick a winner. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. it really, really is. Um, um, got no idea who's going to be the favourites, really. I imagine both home sides because they've finished top four, but uh, it, won't, it won't be by much, and I think uh, the results won't be decided by much either. Absolutely, yeah. It's not you think they'll both be close? I think so, both with a couple of kicks there. So yep. I think... I think the Crows, uh, Eddie Betts is the key for them. If he can kick another five goals for, for the Crows, that would be a very good chance. Only have another winning. five. <laughs> yeah, and, and Tex as well. He's, mm. He just led from the front on Saturday night. And so if he could do the same again for the, the Crows, then yeah, give them a good chance against the Hawks. Yep. And what, what about the other game in um, oh. Sydney Kangas? Who's, who do you think the, the match winners will be or will be there in that game? It's so hard to tell, though. It's so hard to tell. I mean, you know, you... You mentioned that Sydney have got a couple of injuries and North have been playing well. I just really don't know. Yeah. What do you think about it? Yeah, well, I think if, if Jared Wake can kick another four goals and, and Boomer can just keep on going like mm. he's been going all year, yeah, Rude's going to be hard to beat. So it's going to be, I mean, Adam Goods, if he can kick a few goals and... That, stick it to everyone. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> It'll be If there's a few other midfielders that can stand up as well and kick a few goals, it's, mm. yeah, it's going to be... A, both games are very hard to pick, let's be honest. I think they're both 50-50, so... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, toss of a coin. Yeah. You're listening to Game Day Radio on Unicast. Thank you for listening to Game Day Radio via the free Unicast app or via the Unicast website. Unicast is the University of South Australia's internet radio station. And Bevo, time to talk a little bit of cricket. Yes, mate. Well, Australia have won their one-day international series, getting a little bit of uh, revenge against England after the Ashes lost with an eight-wicket victory in the final match at Old Trafford. England collapsed to be all out for 138, with Mitch Marsh taking four for 27 with the ball. And Australia chased that down quite comfortably with Aaron Finch and George Bailey scoring 70 and 41 respectively, both not out. That result gives Australia a 3-2 series win. And as I mentioned before, a bit of revenge, Andy, hey, after the Ashes loss. Yeah, yeah, very small amount, about 1% of revenge, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah obviously, uh, if you had the choice, it'd be to retain the Ashes and and then uh, the one-day series loses a bit of significance. But it, it is good to get a, a little bit of revenge and, um, you know, at least uh, be, be winning in one form of the game. Absolutely, mate. I don't know about yourself, but I really can't wait for the uh, test series between Australia and New Zealand. That's going to be a belter. Yeah, I mean, New Zealand have been so much better in recent years. I mean, we go back to the the days when they used to be sort of uh, whipping boys, but um, they're, they're much, much better these days. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. I mean, how do you think that one's going to play out? 
Yeah, I'm super excited. Probably the most excited for for a number of years, purely because Australia is really going through a rebuilding stage mm. now. Like they're probably you're probably going to look at three or four debutants for the first first test at the Gabba. So really looking forward to that. And and like you said, New Zealand. Like a few years ago, you know, you, you sort of Australia just a shoe in, but the way they're going at the moment, you know, they'd almost be the mm. favourites. So yeah. yeah, really looking forward to that first test at the Gabba, and and of course the um the day night mm. at Adelaide Oval. That's going to be a, are you going to go over down to that. One, Andy, or yeah, yeah, I'm certainly going to uh, try and get along. What about you? Yeah, certainly got my ticket, mate. So I uh, can't good wait. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's um, good. it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. And I think, as you're saying, I think New Zealand they're, they're going to have to be favourites, really, because Australia is. I mean, we could kind of keep pushing with a few guys who've been hit and miss, or it could be a, a very, very new team. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Obviously, you've got um, you know, Brad Haddon and Shane Watson sort of on the way out. So uh, I mean, how do you see us shaping up? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like, oh, I'm a massive Steve Smith fan, so mm, yeah, be, be interesting to see how he goes as, as captain. Mm. I think it's going to sort of. He did brilliantly last summer as captain, though. He, he did, yeah. I think mm. he's going to continue going yeah. well, and and I'm sort of hoping that maybe a couple of South Australian boys might get a go. But you know, they, they tend to look at the New South Wales, your, your New South Wales <laughs> oh, here these go, days. Here we go. <laughs> who, so, who from South Australia do you want in there? Well, I'd like to see Callum Ferguson get a go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's been scoring r- runs for a number of years. He's yep. had a had a crack at the one days, obviously, but um, never really had a, or never had a test game before. So, um, be good to see. And, and young Travis Head, the, the new South Australian captain mm. for the coming summer, he's he had a good sort of season last year as well. And and up and coming youngster, you know, that could have a crack. So, but again, it's just going to be interesting to see. Mm. There's a number of different options there. Like some people are saying, Shaw Marsh might get another go. I personally think they should go for younger blood because yep. he's had a lot of opportunities over the years. But, yeah, time will tell with the selectors who they go for in the upcoming mm. series. So I think the bowling is, is great. Like, the fast bowling socks are incredible at the mm. moment. It's just the batting that's a little bit of a worry. But, yeah, who do you sort of think might come into the team for the for the first test? I really don't know. I'm not so much worried about who comes into the team. I'm more worried about how how they're played after the sort of first test. I think, I really think that this summer's an opportunity to say, this is our team and this is our team for five tests. I mean, don't get me wrong, if after four tests someone's got a darker, 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 like if they haven't got a single run after four tests, you can bench them, but uh, get rid of them. But um, I think that there's been a little bit too much chopping and changing with the uh, new guys we've been trying to blood in recent years. And so I think it would be good to just say, this is our team for five tests and it's going to stay our team for five tests. Yeah, that's true. Just go with the same guys, and unless yeah, they're really failing, then yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And just to give them that chance, where you, was, you you know you say someone like Callum Ferguson, it could be that he comes in and he scores you know twenty and fifteen, and then they go, oh, we need more from you. And yeah. You go, well, hang on, you've given him two chances, and you know maybe the maybe he's batting on the fifth day at the Gabba, and the pitch is horrible. And, you know, maybe the first time it's just an unplayable ball that gets him out and that's it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then that's, that's, his, that's his test cricket chance gone and it's, you've got to give him more of a chance than that. So I think, um, and, and there's, you know, there's, uh, there's also the fact that, you know, as far as batsman goes, you know, the whack is traditionally a better pitch to bat on as is Adelaide Oval and the Gabba. So, I mean, there's certainly that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Well, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I think there's a couple of really good youngsters coming through, like Peter Hamscombe from Victoria is is a very good player and they're talking about Bancroft from Western Australia mm. as well and and I think Nick Madison as well from New South <laughs> New South Wales again. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly seem to blood those mm. uh, good players there from New South Wales. But do you think um yeah. Usman Khawaja's got a shot to get back in? Yeah, he's he's an interesting one. He he showed some good signs when he played for Australia back in the day. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he has not has another go. So mm. it'd be good to see. I, I like Uzi. I think he's a good player and mm. has a go. So um it, yeah, one one thing that would be interesting as well would to see sort of who they pick to partner David Warner because obviously Warner's such yeah. a slasher. So it'd be interesting mm. to see if they go for like a Chris Rogers type that's mm. like a defensive type player. Like Damien Martin out there blocking. Yeah, exactly. Blocking or ball, scoring Langer five type. off a hundred. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that would be interesting to see. Yeah. So, no, really looking forward to it. And and I'm a, a bit of a fan of the Kiwis. They're probably my second favourite team. So um, be good to sort of see how they go and love watching Brendan McCullum play and. Mm. And some of their quicks as well, like they've got some good young young quicks there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it's certainly going to be an interesting summer of uh, cricket coming up. Absolutely, bring it on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're listening to Game Day Radio on Unicast.
It was another exciting weekend of Premier League action, which began on Saturday evening with Everton posting a 3-1 win over Chelsea. A Stephen Naismith hat-trick meant the poor start to the season continued for Jose Mourinho's side, despite a stunning strike from Nemanja Matic. Naismith came off the bench after an early injury and tore Chelsea's defence defense to shreds. It was the first Premier League hat-trick by a substitute since his teammate Romelu Lukaku did it against Manchester United in May 2013, although Lukaku was playing for West Brom at the time. The other headline headline game from Saturday saw Manchester United beat Liverpool 3-1 at Old Trafford in what was a fairly dour game. Both sides have struggled to create chances this season and the goals all came in the second half via a set piece, a penalty, a stunning effort from Christian Benteke and some woeful Liverpool defending. So not too much great attacking play, but still four goals, which liven things up in the second half there. And then United's crosstown rivals, Manchester City, continued their winning start to the season with a 1-0 win away at Crystal Palace. It took until the 90th minute for City to find the goal they needed, with teenage substitute Kelechi Ihanaccio grabbing the win after his Sami Nasri shot was deflected into his path. Ihanaccio turns 19 next month, and it was just his second senior appearance. And City have won all five of their league games this season, and they have yet to concede a single goal. Other results from Saturday night's action include Norwich beating Bournemouth 3-1, Arsenal cruising past Stoke 2-0, Watford earning a valuable home win against Swansea and West Brom versus Southampton finished goalless. So Bevo, Chelsea, poor start to the season for them. Yeah, it has been a bit of a surprise start after such a good year last year. So Yeah, obviously yeah. winning winning the league last season and uh, I think people thought they'd uh, go from strength to strength this season. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I think, you know, teams like that though, they can sort of have a bit of a, a tough start but then, you know, bounce back happens a lot with the AFL as well. So. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't write off the Chelsea yet. They're a very good team. So Yeah, they've yeah. certainly got the talent to turn it around. It uh, remains to be seen whether they've got the uh, application, I think. Absolutely, yeah. Do you think um, Do you think Jose Mourinho's not made enough new signings? Because a lot of the time, um, well, when you've got a side who wins wins a trophy and wins especially the league because it's such a, a long campaign rather than a cup, which is six or seven games, uh, there can be an element of complacency. And do you think that not by not making you know three, four new signings that 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 may have crept into the Chelsea squad? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I guess, like, you, you sort of have to give credit to the coach a little bit for sort of having the faith in those existing mm. players and, and obviously because they did so well last year that he sort of thought that they could, you know, do the job again this year. So, but time will tell. I suppose, like, it's still early in the season, so too hard to sort of start making judgments mm. just yet. But I guess um, later in the season, if they're sort of in a similar situation, then mm. you might have to start, start asking questions as to why he didn't sort of look for more new players. But... Yeah, at this stage, it's um, it's too hard to say. I reckon. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think there's a little bit of complacency there, but it's but it's really hard to tell. As you say, it's it's five games in, so it's you know let's let's see another five games and then see where they are. And I think sort of ten games is your is your mark where you can start drawing conclusions in a thirty-eight game season. So, uh, I mean, we'll we'll see where they are in a little while. I mean, maybe maybe getting back to our uh, two games a week with the Champions League kicking off this week might help them as well. Actually, uh. Actually, you have a bit more competition for places with uh, games going on uh, more 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 often. So, see what happens there. And then um, Liverpool have been pretty poor, unfortunately for me as a Liverpool fan. Um, oh. <laughs> not not creating many chances, not scoring many goals, and not defending too well, which is sort of the recipe for disaster. Yeah, that always is. I guess uh, yeah, makes it a bit tough. So, but once again, same sort of situation as Chelsea. You've mm. still got long season so I wouldn't, wouldn't write, write a team off just yet Andy so yeah no no I've been obviously we were we're never looking to uh, win the title of the season but top four in Champions League qualification would have been nice I mean that's that's certainly still a possibility I mean a couple of the uh the smaller teams no disrespect have uh, started quite well but uh, as usual they the I can't say that carrying on people were talking about West Ham qualifying for the Champions League uh almost in December last season and that that sort of fell off a cliff pretty quickly um yeah, and then Manchester City, uh, an 18-year-old coming on and scoring the winner in the last minute. Oh, must have been story. amazing for him. Yeah, that's just amazing, isn't it? 18-year-old. Mm. Imagine that in front of a massive crowd and yeah. scoring a winner. Yeah, that's I what lo- dreams I, are made of. Hey? I, exactly. I <laughs> love the photo of him. He's just sort of... There's a there's mix of kind of just insane joy and disbelief in his face at the same time. It was uh, really good to see. Yeah, that's fantastic. Love those fairy tale stories. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Game Day Radio on Unicast.
time for some NFL news now, and the league got underway for another season this week, but before we get into the action, we're going to give you a few pieces of news, including some big money extensions being signed, and we begin with Carolina Panthers linebacker Luke Keekley, who has signed a five-year extension with the team worth up to $62 million. The Dale Max Keekley, a top 10 pick in the 2012 draft, the highest paid inside linebacker in the league. He recorded seven tackles and a sack in the Panthers' season opening win at Jacksonville before leaving the game with a suspected concussion, so hopefully he recovers fairly quickly. And then star receiver AJ Green has signed a four-year extension with the Cincinnati Bengals worth up to $60 million. The fourth overall pick in the 2011 draft, Green is ranked fourth all-time on the list of yards by a receiver in their first four years in the league. Green's new deal includes just under $33 million in guarantees, and he caught five passes for 63 yards in the Bengals' season and opener this morning. The Buffalo Bills have locked up Marcel Darius for the foreseeable future with a whopping $108 million seven-year deal. The deal includes $60 million in guaranteed money, the most ever for a non-quarterback. A standout player for the Bills since entering the league, Darius was taken third overall in the 2011 draft, one pick before A.J. Green. And... A quarterback extension now, the biggest of news really uh, with the NFL. It's always about the quarterback and the New York Giants have secured their future at the position for a little while with Eli Manning signing a four-year $84 million extension. The deal is almost identical to the one which uh, charges quarterback Philip Rivers signed during the offseason and includes $65 million in guarantees. And staying in the NFC East, the uh, Giants division rivals, the Cowboys, have re-signed Tyrone Crawford to a five-year extension worth up to $45 million with almost $26 million in guaranteed money. He was a third-round pick in 2012 and really burst onto the scene in 2014 after recovering from a torn Achilles injury. And finally, former San Francisco 49er Alden Smith has made the move across the Bay Area and signed a one-year contract with the Oakland Raiders. Smith can earn up to $8 million if he meets a wide-ranging list of incentives, but his base salary is $1.25 million. Part of the same 2011 draft as Darius and Green, Smith has been explosive on the field but a problem off it, and it's expected he will be suspended at some point this season pending the outcome of a drink-driving charge. Smith recorded a pair of tackles in the Raiders' loss to the Bengals. You're listening to Game Day Radio. Sports Talk Radio on Unicast. Now we'll run you through some of the highlight results from the opening week of games. The 2015 season got underway on Friday morning our time with the defending Super Bowl champion New England Patriots hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers at Gillette Stadium where the Patriots prevailed 28-21. to Tight end Rob Gronkowski, who we're still waiting to uh, find out whether he's actually human or not, caught three touchdown passes in the Patriots' victory. And we've got a few notes from some of the games that took place overnight. And we start with the Green Bay Packers winning at their division rival Chicago Bears, 31-23. Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers threw three touchdowns in the win, while Matt Forte's 141 rushing yards was not enough to help the Bears. The Indianapolis Colts began their season with a defeat on the road against the Buffalo Bills. The uh, Bills' impressive defense dominated throughout and kept the Colts scoreless in the first half before winning 27-14. In, the, in his first NFL start, Bills quarterback Tyrod Taylor was efficient, throwing for just under 200 yards, including a 51-yard touchdown strike to Percy Harvin. Taylor also ran for 41 yards. And the Seattle Seahawks, uh, after infamously losing in the Super Bowl last season, were beaten in overtime by their division rival, the St. Louis Rams. The game finished 34-31, with the Seahawks defense producing a mixed performance, giving up almost 300 yards passing to Rams quarterback Nick Foles. And they were uh, clearly missing safety Cam Cam Chancellor, who is holding out in the hopes of getting a new contract. The Rams uh, were very impressive defensively and recorded six sacks in a dominant display. And in the battle of the rookie quarterbacks, it was Marcus Mariota who produced one of the greatest NFL debuts in history. Mariota threw four touchdowns in the first half alone as he guided the Tennessee Titans to a 42-14 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bucks quarterback Jameis Winston had a more mixed debut with his first ever NFL throw being intercepted and returned for a touchdown. Winston also threw another pick and completed less than half of his attempts. And finally, two fairly popular Super Bowl picks met in Colorado as the Denver Broncos hosted the Baltimore Ravens, 
with the Broncos winning 19-13 to in a tussle dominated by defense. Broncos quarterback Peyton Manning struggled in, in uh, the new offense, offense that they're implementing in Denver, throwing an interception and no touchdowns. And Ravens quarterback Joe Flacco threw a pair of picks. Both teams returned an interception for a touchdown, and those were the only touchdowns of the game. There were no offensive scores in that one. So, Bevo, tomorrow, Jared Hayne versus the uh, Minnesota Vikings, potentially. We, we're not 100% sure, but we think he's going to make his debut on Monday Night Football. How do you think that one's going to go? Well, yeah, fingers crossed he gets a gig, mate. It's just, you know, he really deserves it, all the hard work he's put in over the preseason and and it would be a fairy tale story, wouldn't it? Like going from NRL, mm. dominating the NRL to, uh, to NFL. So, Yeah, yeah, certainly would. Good, good to see him uh, making an impact. I mean, I, I think, I think um, you know, the, the stuff about him not playing, I think it's just 49ers coach Jim Tomsula tr- kind of trying to play down the media circus and have his team focus on the game rather than focus, focusing on someone who's going to be returning kicks, which in the large scheme of things, it's very important, but it's a very small part of the game in terms of the percentage of, of time taken. So, um, but but that said, I think Haynes been too impressive to not have him play just because the, the 49ers don't have a lot else going for them, um, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he certainly deserves his chance. He's, he's proven himself, at, you know, with the preseason games and, mm. and that sort of thing. So, yeah, fingers crossed he gets a game because you know, he's a great lad and did so well for, for, for New South Wales and the State of Origin and, of mm. course, the Parramatta Eels for, for so many years. So, yeah, fingers crossed. And I guess it's another another good story um, with, with, obviously, Ben Graham a few years ago mm. from Geelong Cats in the AFL over to the NFL as a kicker and, and there's been Sav Rocker as well. And yeah. So it's, it's it's great to see these Aussies going over there and having a go in yeah. the NFL. So. Yeah, you mentioned the other Aussies. We've got um, Jordan Berry punting at the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he made his debut against the Patriots the other night and had a couple of nice punts. And then... Uh, you got Brad Wing, who's now at the uh, who Barry actually beat for the punting job in Pittsburgh, and uh, looked like we weren't going to have another Australian uh, in the league. But then uh, he's been picked up by the New York Giants, so uh, he plays tomorrow as well. Uh, he's playing. He played this morning, sorry, uh, against the Cowboys. So, um, and then you've got Jesse Williams with the Seahawks, who unfortunately appears that his cancer sort of uh, reappeared, and that he's not going to be playing too much this season. So we're certainly hoping that he gets uh, better soon. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, the thoughts are with him and his family there. So you can hope that he, you know, comes back and gets back to playing the, the good, the good footy that he was before. So yeah, he was certainly a yeah. very, very impressive player on the uh, national championship teams at Alabama, and uh, hopefully he can uh, get back on the field and have a productive NFL career if uh, if that's what he's looking to do. But of course, uh, health comes first. Absolutely. So um, back to Hayne. You excited to see him play tomorrow? Yeah, I really am. I think he's going to play. Let's just say he's playing. Yeah, let's just do that. So <laughs> I think it's just that, like I said, it's just a media circus and the coach mm. just trying not to, to be all about hay and they're trying to focus on the team, which which is fair enough. So, yeah, and yeah. it has been a bit of a media circus over here, hasn't it? <laughs> Certainly has, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, and now there's, you know, uh, there's Josh Dugan wants to try his hand in the NFL and there's this player and that player and I just... I think it's being lost how much of an incredible athlete Hayne actually is to, oh. to make this transition and, and not just do it adequately, appear to be doing it really, really well. Obviously, it's just pre-season, but what more can you ask? He's done everything that you could ask of him and more. So Absolutely. Mm. Do you think it's going to be a sign of things to come that perhaps like some AFL players might go into a similar similar thing, like not just as a kicker, but mm. as a similar role to Hayne? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, the, I think obviously the, the skills in NRL translate a little bit more um, directly to the NFL than they do from the AFL to the NRL. But you never know. I mean, I d- certainly don't want to be disparaging of the AFL guys. They're incredible athletes. And I think um, some of them could certainly uh, do do some great things. I mean, if you get a guy with freakish hands, maybe one of the guys who's 6'3", 6'4", could be a wide receiver or tight end or something, you know, catching the ball um, could certainly do something like that. Um, who knows? Obviously, with with Hayne, it's um it's a lot of running with the ball, which um certainly suits him from his from his NRL days. So, and who knows? You could see guys going from union, obviously union and league. The um skill sets are fairly similar, so you could um see guys going from union to the NFL, maybe perhaps. And um, who knows? Maybe you get uh fringe NFL players who are uh, aren't getting a contract o- over in the NFL, maybe giving uh rugby league or rugby union a try over here. Who knows? Yeah, maybe even AFL like Yeah, yeah. Like the basketballers have gone across to play AFL. Like obviously mm. we've had we'd had Holmes this year playing for St Kilda in the ruck and we've had obviously um 
big Mike Pike from the Sydney Swans mm. come over from rugby to, to, to the AFL. So it's quite amazing all these players that are swapping codes and stuff like that, isn't it? So, yeah, I guess it goes to yeah. show you like kind of how um how much emphasis is being put on fitness and strength and conditioning and agility and things like that that you know as long as you pick up the mental side of the game once you do change sports that you've already got that kind of physical athletic grounding that you can do it absolutely mm. yeah it's fantastic to see so yeah let's hope let's hope um, Haney can get a gig tomorrow so yeah I uh, I've, I've certainly think he will uh, that'll be uh, the San Francisco 49ers versus the Minnesota Vikings the Vikings will be at home in Santa Clara the site of Super Bowl 50 which will be played at the end of this season so uh yeah, get on, Jared Hayne. If you're uh, not at work, then it'll be on the TV. And if you are, I'm sure you can uh, sneak away and watch it on your computer in a corner somewhere. So uh, that'll be tomorrow. You're listening to Game Day Radio on Unicast, the University of South Australia's internet radio station. Colossa, goal, goal, And we start our European football roundup in Spain where Lionel Messi celebrated the birth of his second son by scoring the winner in Barcelona's 2-1 victory at Atletico Madrid. Fernando Torres gave the home side the lead shortly after halftime before Neymar leveled for Barcelona four minutes later. And Messi then struck in the 77th minute to give Barcelona the win and send them top of La Liga. Staying in Spain, Cristiano... Cristiano Ronaldo more than played his part in Real Madrid's 6-0 win over Espanyol, scoring five, yes, five goals. Karim Benzema grabbed the other, and Ronaldo is now Real Madrid's all-time leading goal scorer in La Liga after passing Raul, and he is now five goals behind Raul's overall record for Real Madrid goals in all competitions. Moving to Italy now, and defending champions Juventus continued their poor start to the season with a late penalty, ensuring they earned their first point of the season with a one-all draw at home to Chievo Verona. And then Roma remain unbeaten after a 2-0 win at Frosinone, while Inter claimed the spoils in the Milan derby with a 1-0 win over AC Milan this morning. Freddie Guarin's powerful strike in the 58th minute was enough to send Inter top of Serie A. And in Germany, a last gust penalty from Thomas Muller saw Bayern Munich record a 2-1 come-from-behind win at home over Augsburg, with Robert Lewandowski grabbing the other goal. And Borussia Dortmund maintained their 100% record with a 4-2 away win at Hanover 96, with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang notching a double, both from the penalty spot. In France, Paris Saint-Germain dropped their first points of the season after a 2-all draw at home against Bordeaux. Edison Cavani scored both goals for PSG, but the match was highlighted by two hideous errors from new goalkeeper Kevin Trapp, which gifted Bordeaux both goals. If you haven't seen them, you absolutely have to get onto YouTube. It's hilarious and sad all at the same time. And finally, Olympic Marseille enjoyed just their second win of the season with a 4-1 home triumph over SC Bastia. Roman Alessandrini scored twice for the hosts, who have now won back-to-back home games. And, of course, don't forget the Champions League group stages get underway on Wednesday morning our time with Manchester United, Manchester City, Real Madrid and PSG all in action. The uh, action on the pitch continues on Thursday morning when Chelsea, Arsenal, Bayern and Barca all get their campaigns underway. And finally, the Europa League gets underway on Friday morning with Liverpool, Dortmund, Napoli, Villarreal and Celtic. Surely all to be among the highlights there. You're listening to Unicast, and this is Game. So you might recall uh, Andy talking about the FFA and the PFA collective bargaining dispute last week. Well, there's been a few updates to give you on that front, including the Matildas striking from their tour of the United States, which is quite interesting. The Matildas players have not been paid for two months and are still owed payments from this year's Women's World Cup, which concluded in July. They're also also fuming after the FFA rejected a proposal for paid maternity leave. It's pretty bad, isn't it, Andy? Yeah, it's... um it's not great. It's not great at all. Yeah, given the massive time commitment the players make, they consider themselves full-time employees for part-time pay. The Matildas are currently paid a base salary of $21,000 a year and the minimum national wage average out to over 52 weeks is just over 34000 
So the FFA's public relations tactics during these negotiations has been to cry poor and then blame the PFA for using the Matildas to pawn in their game, when in reality that's actually what the FFA are doing. Publicly claiming that PFA are using the Matildas is quite pathetic and hypercritical. Just as um, Andy did last week, I have to point out that the PFA are the players. So the strike from the United States tour was driven by the Matildas players, the PFA simply assisting them. I can't make this any any clearer. The PFA are not somebody that is driven by commercial interests. They're actually a collection of footballers, and the PFA is just a name for that collective group. When it comes to the FFA crying poor, that just doesn't wash. They've been banging on about how strong the game is for some time now. And I'll point to you about an article in May from the excellent John Stenshold, which details the FFA's improving commercial performance. Luke Bold, the FFA's head of commercial, told the Australian Financial Review that the FFA had posted a 30% increase in commercial revenue and will overtake both the Australian Rugby Union and the National Rugby League in sponsorship income. The equally brilliant Benita Mercedes also added her input offering a rebuttal to a Richard Hines Daily Telegraph article on her website, Football Today. I'll give a short snapshot of her article, which you can find along with John Stenschultz on on Andy's Twitter feed, I should say. (laughs) (laughs) So FFA's revenue in 2004 was $13.7 million, with a loss of just over $4 million. And last year, the FFA's revenue was $136 million, with a surplus of just over $7 million. In 2004, the A-League salary cap was nearly 11% of total revenue. Last year, it was less than 2%. So the FFA keep claiming they're all out of pie to share, but it's pretty clear there's certainly more in the oven. What's your thoughts there, Andy? Um, I just think it's ridiculous. You can't be claiming to be you know, not able to pay the players what they want when what they're asking for is just, you know... Uh, Especially in the case of the Matildas, it's a really small amount of money that they're asking for. It's equivalent to... And I, I, I want to stress, I'm not suggesting that amateur registrations should be uh, made more expensive or raised at all because they're already ridiculous and, and far too expensive, especially for kids. Uh, but if you take $1 from every registration um, in Australia next year, you've easily, easily got the uh, Matildas pay rise covered. Yeah, it's... I mean, to think they're professional athletes and they haven't been paid for two months, that's mm. just... I mean, these people are like... No, that's their, that's their well-being, their life, mm. and it just doesn't seem fair you, to me. And so. you mentioned the, the salary there, 21000 and when the, the national average works out to be uh, 34000 a year, it's, you know... And they, they consider themselves part-timers because that's what they're paid but the but the the time commitment's pretty close to full time so it's i think they've certainly got a case to be paid much more uh, fairly than they are and what they're asking for isn't really obscene yeah i totally agree with you and like you said if they're going to commit to to full-time hours mm. you know they they deserve to be paid you know at least 40 50 grand a year something mm. that they can actually survive on so mm. otherwise they're gonna to have to you know go and get another part-time job yeah and i mean that's meet, so. what a lot of them are a lot of the uh, women who play in the w league here in australia make a loss doing so so yeah. um it's just but it's it's their love for the game and they're paying to play a lot of them which is you know not what it should be when they're meant to be professionals so yeah that's right it's what that's what they're doing the amateurs isn't it so, yeah exactly yeah. that's that's what you or i do in park footy you've got to you've got to pl- <laughs> pay your registration fees and that's fair enough because you know we're not any good <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but these women are they're brilliant and they shouldn't have to be uh, subjected to that sort of a thing yeah ex- exactly right totally agree with you mate so mm. Yeah, time will tell uh, what's going to happen in the next few weeks with the, those sort of outcomes, hey? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see um, what, what happens. And I mean, moving moving on to the A League, we'll come we'll come back in one second and talk about the A League. But the uh, start of the season might be in a little bit of jeopardy as well. You're listening to Game Day Radio on Unicast, the University of South Australia's internet radio station. Game Day Sports Radio on Unicast. You're listening to Game Day Radio on Unicast, the University of South Australia's internet radio station. Remember, you can listen through the Unicast website or via the completely free Unicast app. Download that via your app store of choice. And remember, if you want to get in touch with feedback or song requests, you can find me on Twitter. It's at Cousin91. That's at C-U-S-S-E-N 91. 
And you can follow Unicast on Twitter and Instagram. We are at SAUnicast on both of those platforms. So if you jump on there, there's programming updates and behind-the-scenes info as well as uh, stuff about what's happening on various Uni SA campuses. So, Bevo, that's been uh, Game Day Radio for uh, another week. Uh, Great to have you here for the first time. Mate, it's been fantastic. I've really enjoyed it. So I look forward to next week, Andy. Yeah, it's going to be a good weekend of sport. What are you most looking forward to? I think um, the AFL finals are going to be fantastic. Both of those could go either way, as we mentioned earlier on, and and looking forward to the NRL games as well. So, yeah, it's going to be a good one. Mm, What about yourself, mate? Yeah, yeah. I'm certainly looking forward to the uh, Champions League getting underway during the the middle of this week. Jared Hayne hopefully making his debut tomorrow. And then, uh, as you're saying, the footy finals should be... uh, Really, really, really good uh, good action and good fun. And uh, I'm sure they're both going to be close games as well. Yeah, absolutely. So looking forward to it. Who's your tips for the NRL finals this week? Uh, I've got I've got the Roosters and the Sharks, I think. In those ones, so, yeah. yeah. And the AFL? Uh, the uh, Swans and the Crows. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're all very much 50-50s, both with yeah. the NRL and the AFL. So, mm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, they definitely are. And um, next week, we'll um, hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll definitely be bringing you those results and maybe a little bit of uh, stuff about the NBL. Yeah. Um, and uh, everything from the Champions League and the Premier League, European football. Hopefully, hopefully we'll have some news about how the uh, Matildas have been paid. That would be nice. Yes. Um, and yeah, we, um, that, that's probably it for this week, really. Absolutely, mate. Well, it's been um, it's great, great being on board, and uh, mm. looking forward to next week. And hope everyone has a good week. Yeah, it certainly has been uh, has been good fun. And remember, you can download uh, if you missed anything today, or you uh, can't listen can't listen uh, live next week, or or any other week. You can always download the best of Game Day Radio podcast uh, via SoundCloud or iTunes, and I'll tweet out that link fairly regularly as well. So uh, get on that and. Um, let us know leave it leave an itunes review give us some feedback let us know what you want to hear more of or maybe less of maybe i'm talking too much <laughs> <laughs> this has been uh, game day radio for another week uh you are listening to unicast the university of south australia's internet radio station thanks Bebo. thank you mate see you next week see you next week and see you next week listener listening to the game day radio podcast if you're listening on itunes please subscribe and leave a review game day radio is broadcast on monday afternoons from four to six on unicast the university of south australia's internet radio station thanks once again for listening